This is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters. And I'm Marcus Harvey. The three R's, reading, writing, and arithmetic, we know them to be the foundational subjects on which our education is built. Of the three, perhaps the toughest, for some at least, is the third, arithmetic. But does it have to be? Join us for a conversation with Dr. Sam Kaplan and Ms. Marta Akala-Williams, the co-creators and directors of the Marvelous Math Club, a local organization that strives to make learning math fun and exciting. Marcus and I will be back in a moment. Again, this is the Waters and Harvey Show. I'm Darren Waters, and so glad to have you all join us here, joining us in the audience again. I am always glad to be here and not flying alone, but flying close <laughs> with my co-host, Dr. Marcus Harvey. Doctor. Yeah, nice to be here. How's it you going, know, Marcus? It's a pretty hot summer, but uh, it's been productive so far. But yeah. how are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. I'm doing pretty good. This now, this is an interesting subject that we decided to take mm-hmm. on this time, yeah. uh, math. Now, I don't know about you, brother, but <laughs> this was a tough subject for me coming up in high school and it is the reason why I did not become an architect that was my dream but um, that dream just went by the wayside (laughs) oh and I have no shame in saying that you know math has been my intellectual arch nemesis probably since grade school not because I dislike math but just because I think naturally I don't think in mathematical terms Mm kind of like what you were saying at one point I had dreams of being an aeronautical engineer (laughs) but um (laughs) You know, uh, um, other other forces prevailed. So um, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation, to say the least. It is. You know, I have a fascination with people who are really good at numbers. Um, mm. You know, I did not inherit this gene from my father, but he was very good with with numbers. Mm. You know, for a number of years, he worked as a computer technician, and um, he's he's really good with numbers because he can tell us how much we we still owe him in money that he's given us. <laughs> he keeps track of that. But my my son, maybe it skipped a generation because my son Louis was did pick up uh, a really good um, ability and talent with math and so I've kind of always been envious of that Um, but you know I've learned uh, through conversations that I've had Mm -hmm. with with colleagues and especially one of the colleagues that we'll be talking with today Dr. Sam Kaplan that really it doesn't have to be that difficult in fact I think Marcus if I had learned that math is really another language I might have been able to learn it a lot easier yeah and I think I came to that realization later in life um, as I matured intellectually that math really is a it's not just a language a language per se I think it's also a way of of seeing the world a way of being in the world and Mm -hmm. I think you know, if that is inculcated in students earlier, perhaps, you know, this sort of uh, uh, stigma or fear of, of mathematics and uh, the study thereof uh, would evaporate. That's perhaps. right. Um, and it's my understanding that the, lear- the earlier we learn to mm-hmm. develop appreciation of, of, of math, that the greater our chance of academic success is. Mm-hmm. And so it's going to be interesting to kind of explore that with our two guests here today. It really is. Math really is one of the foundational subjects. And um, you will hear, I think, in this con- in the course of this conversation of how foundational it mm-hmm. is and how it can probably, you know, enhance the learning experience all the way through your academic career. So Marcus and I are going to step out for just a quick minute here and we'll be right back with our guest.
Again, you're listening to the Waters and Harvest Show here at Blue Ridge Public Radio here in Asheville, North Carolina. We're so glad that you all are here and that you are staying in this conversation. This is an important conversation about, you know, the educational experience and learning to love numbers and math early. Um, Mark, as I was looking at an article not too long ago, there's an organization out there that is called Dreambox, um, which uh, really helps. Uh, it's an organization that's committed to making the process of learning mathematics a lot more fun, a lot, a lot less arduous for students at an earlier point. And they were in an article that they had produced. They were talking about how important it is to learn this subject, to learn to love it early on. And it's an article I think that you and I can post up on our Facebook sure. page for some of our listeners to kind of reference um, to to look at. But. Um, we're happy to have here in the audience or in the studio with us Dr. Sam Kaplan, who is a professor in the mathematics department at UNC Asheville. And also, as you heard, we have Mrs. Marta Alcala Williams, who is the parent and family engagement coordinator at Asheville City School System. And it's been a wonderful opportunity. I've had a wonderful opportunity to get to know Marta and work on community related projects with her. So we're glad to have them both here in the studio with us. Guys, welcome to the studio. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. Thank you for taking the time because I know that both of you are really busy. But thank you for taking the time to come in and just sit here and talk with Marcus and I for a few minutes about this this important topic. But, Sam, I, I kind of want to begin with you here because a few years ago, the way you, you kind of got my interest in started with this uh, with this whole issue of math and learning math early because of a conversation that you and I had a few years ago and you were talking about the important role that math that learning math plays in student success and that really did get my attention can you tell us a little bit about that tell our audience a little bit about the nature of that conversation and what it was that you were trying to get me to, as a historian to see well math is often perceived or uh, expressed in our culture as something that you either get or you don't get. And so by the time you get to um, middle school and you begin to, for the first time, maybe have some struggles in material, you decide that, oh my goodness, I'm one of those people that just can't do math. Mm -hmm. And that starts a whole cycle of negativity. Then suddenly when you get to high school, you're not far enough along because you've been tracked down to be able to take the upper-level science classes, the upper-level math classes you need to get into a four-year college. So pulling people into thinking really about mathematics as a skill, it's a language, it's an approach to problem-solving, um, makes a real difference. That way, when you first hit uh, some sort of difficulty, instead of deciding, oh, I'm just one of those people that can't do math, you persist. Just like if you were playing basketball and you didn't make a shot once, you don't say, oh, I could never play basketball again. Yeah, and, and, and Sam, could you say a bit more about why, why it's so important um, for, to sort of capture students as far as mathematics is concerned early on? Because I, I can remember back to my grade school days, and I, I know that um, teachers did make an effort. Uh, <laughs> they made an effort, uh, a, a concerted effort, to um, draw me into mathematical thinking, but for whatever reason, I'm not faulting them, for whatever reason, that effort was abortive. So um, why is this so important to, to really try to, try to um, um, convince students that they can do math um, early on? Well, again, we, you both mentioned in your introductions mm -hmm. where mathematics acted as a barrier for mm -hmm. achieving some of the goals that you had set for yourself at a young age. Mm -hmm. 
to turn that around, um, really persisting in mathematics opens doors and keeps all your pathways open. So, Sam, what I want to do is you you and I have talked about challenges, too, the challenges in this area, especially for children. And Marcus and I like to talk about the experiences. One of the, the focuses of the show is to focus on the experiences of members of marginalized communities. And you have you and I have talked about the challenges that children who grow up in what we know as traditional marginalized communities have had to face with regard to education just in general and especially in this area of mathematics. Can you talk a little bit about that? A little bit. There's um, certainly when mathematicians are presented in the school setting, very often they're 18th and 17th century uh, Europeans. (laughs) So suddenly you don't see yourself when people are talking about who does mathematics. Mm -hmm. Um, So that can be problematic. and Marta can speak to, to some of the larger life skill issues that began to happen in places where there's poverty, where there's an additional stress mm-hmm. uh, on families. Marta? Thank you. So I think that um, we also need to mention the piece about um, race mm-hmm. and where kids of color see themselves and this whole mathematical journey. And um, normally we see kids that are students of color that think they are standard, right? They need to go to the math class that is a standard class because it's not for me or it's not for them. And so the beauty, I think, that's happened with us and this beautiful partnership of UNC Asheville and Asheville City Schools, Dr. Kaplan and myself, is that through our partnership with Parent U, we said, well, what would be beneficial in a community. Mm -hmm. And instead of going into the community and saying what the community needs, we went in and we said what would be beneficial. So language is really important. Mm -hmm. Notice how there's no needs assessment and homework help, even though that is how we started, right? So through the partnership, um, UNCA was providing homework help at Pisgah View Apartments Mm -hmm. in the community center. And so we would have like between three or five, maybe a total of 20 kids throughout the entirety of the school year. So there was some uh, movement, yet it wasn't consistent and it was just like a drop-in, which is the model of UNCA, which is a pretty good model, Mm -hmm. yet not the best model for kids that are living in Asheville public housing. So I asked if I could be invited to one of the meetings and Dr. Kaplan very nicely um, said I could. And so I just asked some questions. And um, once we started talking, I realized, oh, so what are some of the things that you're doing? I said, well, we're providing tutoring. And I said, may I see the flyer? And you know, we just started making some connections. And we talked about homework help. And so I said, would you like to be a part of homework help? Would you? I wouldn't. I don't want to be a part of homework help because it just sounds like there's something not right. There's a stigma. That I'm broken. Yeah. Uh-huh. You have to help me, mm-hmm. right? And so I said, how about if we made it something really fun? Mm-hmm. Well, what do you mean something really fun? Well, I mean, if we change the name, it's become a club, mm-hmm. right? And then we talked about different names and we played around with it or whatever. And so eventually we came up with Marvelous Math Club. Well, Right automatically, even as we were saying it, you could see the folks in the room already lightening up, even ourselves, right? Our bodies already lighten up. You know, it's not homework help. It's a marvelous math club. It sounds a little like, "Mm, yes, I want some of that. 
And so we put out the flyer with Marvelous Math Club, and we engaged the kids, and we said, if you come to the Marvelous Math Club and bring us the bottom portion portion of your um, flyer, we'll have a little party. You get It was very close to Halloween, so you'll get some candy, and then the next time is and you can bring your costumes. And the next thing we knew, it was like, oh, Marvelous Math Club is happening. And every Monday, we started with maybe seven, 12, you know, 15 kids. And all of a sudden, we've gotten up to 32 kids. The beauty of this is that the kids go to Asheville City Schools. They are dropped off in their community at home. And they automatically come to the 16E or F building. Because what we do at Marvelous Math Club is we're building community, we're celebrating math, we're making friends, and everything around Marvelous Math Club is asset-based language. So there is no remedial, there is no homework help, there is no behavior, there is no improvement. It's all about celebrating. It's all about friendship. It's all about leadership, Mm -hmm. which the perfect marriage then comes in of the math piece with Dr. Kaplan and then the emotional, social um, portion from me. And it makes it the perfect healthy marriage because as we are talking math and celebrating and having fun with it, then on my part, we have the leadership. So when a child walks in and says, Miss Marta, I was good today. And I said, I know you're always good. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But were you a leader? Mm. Right. right. Yeah. And this so is, we we discovered yeah. over time that there was a real opportunity to adhere mathematics to the notion of community and friendship and leadership, so that as elementary school kids, which is our primary audience, they're now thinking about mathematics with all those positive, asset-based approach. So then, when they get to middle school, they're expecting to be math leaders, Mm -hmm. supporting other kids as they're learning and receiving support. And because these kids show up, what they have in common really is that they live in public housing. Some of them are way above grade level, some of them are way below grade level, Mm -hmm. but they all support each other because they're coming together as a community to celebrate math. And I would just say very quickly that I think this approach is so, so important because I know that, you know, because we, we live in a society where mathematical thinking and scientific thinking is privileged over other forms of intelligence. Mm-hmm. Um, and so if, if students have aptitudes yeah. that veer away mm-hmm. from mathematics or science, then they're kind of sort of automatically categorized in a way that isn't particularly uh, healthy for them. So I think this, this program is really, really important mm-hmm. in light of that particular issue. No, right. So uh, you, you may have answered the question that I had in my mind because I'm thinking, Marcus, as, as, we, as I was listening to Marta and Sam talk about how this club, the Marvelous Math Club, operates, I you know, was wondering, in, as we've t- we introduced the show, we talked about how math is so foundational to those other subjects. So what are you seeing happen in the other subjects with regard to how students are responding in the Marvelous Math Club? Well, since I am in the school, mm-hmm. I mean, and I am at um, Hall Fletcher, and the majority of our kids, actually, that come to Marvelous Math Club are in the Hall Fletcher School, it's been a beautiful unfolding. I mean, I cannot even tell you. I mean, I just want to scream a little bit and get so excited because it is um, just pouring out in every subject. Mm-hmm. And it's pouring out in the classroom and in the building, so much so that when we have students that prior to Marvelous Math Club were in the office repeatedly or suspended Mm -hmm. or just not 
getting it, right? And now one of the students comes up to his teacher and he says, Miss so-and-so, do I look like a leader with this button-up shirt? And she says, absolutely, you do. He goes, great, because I am a leader at Marvelous Math Club and I want to be one at my school, mm, too. Mm. Right. And I have all of these reports and snippets of teachers sending me information because we email the teachers weekly to get some feedback Mm -hmm. on this is what we worked on. What do you have for us to work with the kids? Yet when the kid arrives, we never say, well, um, your teacher said that we're doing fractions today. They don't even know. We automatically get a game that has to do with fractions, but it's a game, and mm-hmm. we're going to play. Mm-hmm. And every single time that you walk in, you know you're going to play something. Even the game connects four. If you have a buddy, we're going to do multiplication. So before you can put in your chip, you have to tell me what two times four is, mm-hmm. right? And because it's all play, even if I don't know, it's okay because my buddy is going to support me. Right. And notice how I says support, right? Mm-hmm. Not help me. Mm-hmm. It's a support. And so if even if I don't get the next three right, my buddy is making sure that I feel successful until I get it. So you're essentially building a sense of community here too yes. as well. So I mean, this is this is really good. I, I like to hear these these type of results. Yeah, and I would just say uh, this quickly. Um, I, I think that the fact that you're incorporating sort of gaming as an approach is important because there's a lot of um, research that suggests or that indicates clearly that there's a strong link between cognitive development and gaming mm-hmm. um, yes. if implemented properly. So I think that's a very clever approach to adopt as well. But yeah. So, Marty, you pointed out that you you all are have a presence in Piscopeview. Right? Yes. Are you in other communities? And can you tell us a little bit about the grade levels that where you're focused on? What what um, is it across the board, or is there just a specific grade level that you all are focused on right now? So, right now, we are just at Piscopeview Apartments. When we first started, we um, kicked it off at Piscopeview and Klondike Apartments, mm-hmm. and it did not take at Klondike. I don't think we, you know. Either Klondike wasn't ready or we didn't have all of our tools, Mm -hmm. right, developed to the level that we have now. So, and we did conduct a survey at Piscoview, and that's what the community requested versus in the other one. We're like, well, let's pilot this in two places. And again, you don't get input from the community. It's probably yeah, not going to work. This is a big challenge mm-hmm. for us right? so because so many organizations now are focusing on the whole issue of community engagement. Universities are jumping on the bandwagon of community engagement. Corporate companies are, uh, corporations are, you know, have their community engagement offices. And, and so I've been reading a lot of stuff on community engagement. And one of the points that people make is that you, you can't, you have to be able to allow the members of a community to feel empowered in the process, that they are the ones who are coming up with the solutions. I think that as academics, we have a tendency to just run right in and say, okay, we have the answers for you. This is the way it's done. And that that's shown, that has been proven to be a failure. And allowing communities to speak is a skill. No. It's a skill that not all institutions possess. They, right. they presume that they possess these skills, mm-hmm. but um, oftentimes they learn the hard way that they do not. You so, so community engagement, as far as I'm concerned, is a skill that needs to be taught and cultivated. But, it, you know. it is. And I'm in Marcus, I would say here that I think that this is something that our political leaders could learn from, too. Ooh. And um, I have, you know, Marta, I have... Um, 
And Sam, in my former life, you know, worked as a probation parole officer for mm-hmm. five years in the state's capital in Raleigh. And then went on from that for a year and a half. I chaired the city's housing authority. And it was interesting of how in Raleigh we tried our best to be innovative in our approach to the community by bringing the community in and talking to them about, okay, what do you all need? But the federal government was always there hovering as this kind of, you know, gigantic presence of saying, no, you've had to follow this rule, that rule, that rule. And one of my favorite quotes from this point in that this uh, part in my life became a quote from Dwight Eisenhower where he said that farming looks easy when your plow is a pencil and you're a thousand miles away. <laughs> so getting getting uh, input from a community becomes so key to this and I wish that our political leaders would, would adopt this. Some of our bureaucratic leaders as well. <laughs> right. Marvelous Math Club does represent a partnership with public housing as well as Asheville City mm-hmm. and uh, UNC Asheville. So we do have undergraduates from UNC Asheville engaged. We partnered with the Community Engagement Office at UNC Asheville to get us uh, VISTA. So shout out to Natalie Shepard, who really does a lot of the background work for us to really increase capacity, especially in communication with the teachers. And um, I would say the last four or five months, we've been receiving a lot of, um, I would say, pressure. Maybe that's just how I Mm -hmm. perceive it. for expanding Marvelous mm-hmm. Math Club because the school system is saying, hey, this is really having a positive impact on students in the classroom, students' self-perception, seeing themselves as a uh, confident right. uh, person. And uh, the students who go there represent every single elementary school as well as the middle school. We invite the in kids who have already been involved to come back as math champions okay okay right? so we don't have volunteers we're very conscious about the language we have math champions and we have marvelous math club members and when they walk in they're math leaders and if they say oh, i don't want to be a leader well that's too bad you're a leader now you walked in here but there's nothing forcing them to come back every week they just keep coming back they're they're not there because of referral by a teacher they're not there because they're falling behind in some way um, they're there because they choose to be there. You know, Sam, I just generally believe that, you know, it, it, with inherent in all of us is this curious spirit. And so I um, I think as an educator that I have been troubled by the fact that I see people's that curious spirit being quenched so early in in people's and especially this has been the case in many marginalized communities. It really has. And so. Any program that is uh, designed to help feed that curiosity, I think, you know, is is really worthy of us talking about and supporting. Yeah, and 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 I think, uh, um, Sam, you answered the question I was going to pose previously, which had to do with what the response to this program has been. It seems like it has been sort of overwhelmingly positive. So, so as the program continues to grow, um, what do folks who may be interested in helping the program, what should they be keeping in mind? How can they contribute to um, the Marvelous Math Club, et cetera? Ooh, may I jump in real quick? Okay. So, um, you know, Marla, let me, Marla, can I say this one thing? Because Sam, since we're at the university, Sam and I have had this this conversation about, well, what is your wish list? And he, he sent me a, a very lengthy email of what that wish list was. So I just had to throw that out there. <laughs> I'm um, waiting. He is the numbers man, uh, and I am the social emotional person. That's a beautiful, um, beautiful marriage here. I, I have to. I, I want to 
jump in and say something very quickly that in the in the connection of the partnership with the Asheville Housing Authority and Asheville City Schools and UNCA and the VISTA, well, UNCA with Dr. Kaplan, we have the students, right, from UNCA that come as champions. Then we also have um, a teacher from Asheville City Schools that we um, provide. And um, then Asheville Housing Authority allows us, obviously, the space. And we have partners that Chromebooks, you know, like YTL, Libby Kyle's, woo-woo, shout out. So it's, it takes a lot of us to really make this move because we haven't had, like, money, right? Mm-hmm. And But the beauty is that we have a lot of champions that come to our training. It's a two-hour training, and it is hilarious and fascinating because they think that they're going to sit down and learn about how to teach math to kids. And it is so funny because we do not talk about that at all. We're talking about love, connection, building community, what the language should be like, Mm -hmm. that the kids need to see you as their champion, right? That we are there to engage at any level. And through the partnership, Housing Authority has been kind enough to where I said, we need to have leaders from the community being champions. So now we have champions, leaders from the community of PVA that get a stipend through Asheville Housing Authority to be in there with us and so that the kids see leaders of the community that they reside in and people that look like them, right? Because a lot of our retired folks that come to be champions or whatever are white retired folks and we Mm -hmm. can't throw them away. Mm -hmm. Yet it's how we tie all of it in. Then also our sixth graders or seventh graders that now come back as champions through um, positive changes with Duana Little as well. Woo woo, Mm -hmm. shout out. Mm -hmm. How we're connecting all of the partnerships that then the young students come in and they are working with working with younger children, and they, too, are getting a stipend. So they're giving back to the community, and everyone wins. And certainly anyone in the community who has a nonprofit who wants to uh, and has a vested interest in education outcomes around mathematics or vested interest in youth, please step forward. Let's talk. You're willing to partner with them, because one of the things I'm thinking about are model programs in other places, and how this sounds to me like it could be a model that is used in other communities to help uh, to facilitate, you know, to type of program that you all have going on here. So Marcus and I are so glad that we were able to have you here. And what I really appreciate both Marna and, and Sam is having the opportunity to talk about a success story, because I think that so often we focus on the problems, and we don't get a chance to talk enough about the successes. So Marcus and I really appreciate you all taking the time to come in here and join us for this conversation about the Marvelous Math Club. We'll have to have you back to to continue to follow and chart the success of the program. So Marcus and I are going to step out for a brief moment, and we'll be back in a second. Well, again, this has been the Waters and Harvey Show. Marcus, this was a great conversation with mm-hmm. both Sam and Marta about this program. And, and again, as I said, as we were closing out that last segment, 
I'm just so happy that we had the opportunity to talk about a program of success. And, you know, for me as an educator, and I know you feel the same way, education is a liberating force. And so learning to love learning at a early age, and this is something that I have tried to impart impart to both of my sons, I think is just so fundamentally important. You're going to be learning for the rest of your life, right? So learning to enjoy it early marks i think that it's important and seeing that they're there that marta and sam are doing such a wonderful job and getting kids enthused about learning through this program i tell you yeah. really and, and it's truly inspiring to see a, a program a math oriented program that is challenging this narrative that students who may not have a natural proclivity towards mathematics are somehow less capable than students who do so mm-hmm. so that's that 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 challenge is important uh, to keep in mind and to celebrate and encourage and support. It, it, it does, and 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 I'm and it's great to hear that these communities that, that this partnership that they have with the Asheville Housing Authority mm-hmm. and that they're working in margin traditionally marginalized communities. I mean, and so they made some very key points about being stigmatized early on as someone who is a problem and in, in that you're struggling. And I think that this is a that this program seems to be kind of turning that on its head, and mm-hmm. I think that that is fundamentally important as well. So Marcus and I have enjoyed this conversation, and again, as we always do, we want to remind you as the wa- that the Waters and Harvey Show is produced at Blue Ridge Public Radio in Asheville, North Carolina. And you can listen to our podcast on BPR.org, on the BPR mobile app, and on iTunes and Google Play. Follow us and get in touch on Facebook and Twitter, and then Marcus and I will talk to you next time. Take care.